Bibles tonight, 2 Samuel chapter number 23. 2 Samuel chapter number 23. We're coming to the uh, end, conclusion of David's life. The man after God's own heart. A man that God praises and lauds and gives uh, uh, great honor to. But a man that was far from perfect and that had many struggles in his life. The difference between a person that has great struggles and failures and fails, and the person that has great struggles and failures and succeeds is the person who humbly seeks God when they've made a terrible mistake. And David over and over again does that. And this last psalm of David will emphasize in the life of David a wonderful, some wonderful truths, some things I hope will help you. We're just picking up where we've been studying and asking the Lord to bless in a big way his word tonight. The message is titled this, pretty simple, The Last Psalm of David. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1 of Second Samuel chapter number 23. The Bible says, Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning, when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth, by clear, shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. But the sons of Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away. Because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear. And they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. The Bible says in verse number 1, Now these be the last words of David. The last words of David. This is the last inspired writings of David. The last time that he speaks a psalm inspired by God. There's going to be a time as we read over in 1 Kings when David is uh, on his deathbed and speaks again. This is not his deathbed words, but this is his final psalm. And we're going to pick up on some things that are important to David as the Holy Spirit of God is moving on David to write these words and this last of his psalms. I love the psalms. They're rich with meaning and they're helpful. And uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach this tonight and share with you some things from the life of David. We'll divide it into four parts. The first is this, number one, God's work in David's life. God's work in David's life. The first two verses, David is led by God to mention God's work in his life. And he uses it and he describes different moments in his life as God worked and blessed and used and touched the life of King David. The Bible says in verse 1, now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said... He starts with his lowly beginning, David, the son of Jesse. Something that David 
was constantly aware of and David was constantly referring to in his life, even as the anointed king of the nation of Israel, even as a man of great power, a man of great success, as, as long as David was in his right mind, in his right spirit, following the Lord, David was willing to acknowledge his humble beginning and he refers to himself as the son of David. David as the son of, da- of Jesse, I'm sorry, David as the son of Jesse was a farmer. He was a shepherd. He was willing to acknowledge his early beginnings. He was willing to acknowledge where he came from. And it's so important that we have this sense of humility about us. David said, I was the son of Jesse. Uh, He was thankful to be the son of Jesse. He was thankful that God had given him the opportunity to understand certain things as a shepherd in Israel. I'm thankful for that. He was referring to his lowly beginning and referring to his heritage. I'll just tell you something. There's a lot to be learned from the simplicity of life. There's a lot to be learned from your heritage. There's a lot to be learned from your family. There's a lot to be learned from your father. And David, as king in Israel, writing the last psalm that he'll pen under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, God says, hey, mention something about your dad. May God help us to be the kind of people who honor our parents. May God help us to be the kind of people who openly receive instruction and direction. And glean wisdom from folks that may not be exactly like us, but have lived a while. David gives praise and the inspiration of God for his father. He said, David, the son of Jesse, said, The man who was raised up on high. The next thing that is mentioned about David was the fact that he was raised up on high. Now, David became the king of Israel. We know the story. Uh, most of us would know the story. If you don't, I'd encourage you to read through the book of 1 Samuel. And you can read the story of how David was raised up to be the next king in Israel. David was a shepherd boy. God sends Samuel the prophet to the house of Jesse, his father, to pick the next king. And God picks David, the least of the sons of Jesse, to be the next king of Israel. And he says, God raised me up. By the way, if your life's going to count for anything, it's going to have to be the product of God doing the work. Something sweet about being a child of God is when we live in submission to God and His Word, God then has the ability and the opportunity to raise us up to the place He wants us to be. I'm reminded of the first psalm. In the first psalm, the Bible reminds us that if we will stay away from sin and stay in God's word, the Bible says you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I think one of my favorite words in all of the Psalms is that one little word, planted. Planted. I'm so encouraged to think of the promise of God that if I'll just stay away from sin and stay in God's word, I'm not talking about perfect. I'm talking about humbly submitting to the will and work of God, the plan of God. Saying no to sin and yes to God and his word. I'm so thankful to know that God has promised that I don't have to worry about the future. I don't have to worry about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't have to worry about making the poor decisions that ruin my life. If I stay away from sin in God's word, God says, hey, listen here, buddy. I'm going to plant you, intentionally put you right where you need to be, right when you need to be there, and I'm going to bless you there. Planted. David says, I want to give praise to God. I'm the son of Dave, of Jesse. 
I want to praise God. I've been raised on high. It was nothing that I picked for myself, but God has chosen to exalt me. And I'll just tell you something. The place that God has called you to serve him is the highest of the high. And you should rejoice in what God has given you to do. We become discontented in the work that God has given us to do. We should ask God to get our heart back in tune with him. We should seek and yearn to be broken again in order that we might know and do the will of God because God's will is perfect for you and it'll make you happy when you submit to it. David says, I was raised on high. He continues, the anointed of the God of Jacob. He says, I was raised on high. He says, I was anointed of God. God chose David. God chose David for a specific purpose. God chose David to do a specific work. And that's so encouraging to me. God's work in David's life was he was the anointed of God. And I want you to understand something. All of us who the Lord Jesus has saved by grace through faith, we've been anointed to a specific purpose. And we should take very seriously what God has anointed us to do. God has called us all. There's a group of people, a realm of influence that we have. We are anointed on high. And Jesus has called you to do a certain work at a certain time with a certain people. God was working in David's life and God anointed David. Anointed of God. The Bible concludes in verse number 1. and The Bible says this, And the sweet psalmist of Israel. He refers to the great work that God gave him to do. The sweet psalmist of Israel. God moved in David's heart and God blessed David as he wrote his word. The sweet psalmist of Israel. The Bible says in verse number 2, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me and his word was in my tongue. David mentions one more thing about himself. He says, The Lord The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Something amazing that God did for David was God gave David the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. When we read the Psalms, majority of which were penned by David, we read God's inspired word. And David says, the Holy Spirit moved on me. In Peter, 2 Peter 1, verse 21 you don't need to turn there, but in 2 Peter 1, 21, the apostle Peter makes mention of how God gave us his word. And the Bible says this, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The work of God in David's life, God gave him an inspired word and a work to do that would last for generations. Now, we take the scriptures and we apply them to ourselves. And something that's fascinating to me about David is the greatest thing that David offers us today is the word that God gave us through him. There was an influence through David's life given by God that's lasted for thousands of years. And we talk about it on a night like tonight in the year 2023 at Chilhowee Baptist Church. God gave him a work that lasted. Do you know that God gives us all a work that lasts? Now you remember 
that influence that you have in the lives of your children, your spouses, the influence of the life that you have in the folks that you work with and your family, it is the one thing that lasts beyond your days and years. Invest wisely. Speak the word of God in the hearts and lives of your children. Learn from David that God has a work for your life and say yes to God's work for your life and no to the work of the flesh. Yes to the work of God and no to the work of the flesh. God's work in David's life. Number two, God's word about godly leadership. God's word about godly leadership. The next thing David is going to bring to our attention as he's led by the Spirit of God is what God has to say through him about godly leadership. The Bible says in verse number three, the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of of God. God said to David, David, the key to being a good, great, godly leader is that he that ruleth over men must be just. Must be just. Now, what does it mean to be just? That word just is, is not a very difficult word, but sometimes I think we pass over its meaning. The word just and the word justified, they work together. If a man is just, that means that his actions are just. If a man is just, it means his actions are justified. They make sense. They make sense. Our actions must make sense according to God's word. Now, King David is led by God, and he says, a man, a godly leader, the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me, he that ruleth over men must be just. What does that mean? That means that what he does should make sense. It should be justified. It should be reasonable. It should match up with God's law and God's word and God's way. A man that rules must be just. He doesn't stop there. He says, Ruling in the fear of God. A man that rules over men must be just and ruling in the fear of God. He must justify his actions according to the word of God. And he must rule in the fear of God. Understanding that if he gets sideways and does the wrong thing and disobeys God and doesn't justify his actions. The righteous judgment and wrath of God can and will fall on that person. You see, we're talking just a moment about God's word, about godly leadership. And David is writing this as a man who had failed miserably in regards to his godly leadership and his role as a leader. And he's looking back and wishing to God that it had been different. He said, a man that must, is going to rule and lead and lead men and be a leader in any form or fashion should lead justly. Oh, there's not a simpler, more profound truth that you could apply to your life and the influence that God has given you. You make sure that the actions that you take and the decisions that you make are justifiable according to God and his will and his pleasure and his word. Macy gave me one of these bracelets a few years ago, and I don't wear it. But it's a simple, what would Jesus do bracelet? And you may be cold hearted tonight and think, well, oh, that don't make any difference to me. But let me tell you something. 
You should live your life and order your affairs and make your decisions with this in mind. Should I do this? Is it please the Lord? What would Jesus do? You may deem yourself insignificant and your leadership small, but if there's any one person under your care and under your authority and you're leading your life and not living a just existence as a leader in those people's life, in that person's life, you are going to fail miserably for you and them and whoever it is. I'm reminded every day as sin tempts us all, And in my own heart and life that the life that I lead with God's help should be one that is just. I should justify my actions according to God's word. And I should live my life in the fear of God. What's it mean to live your life in the fear of God? We should fear that we hurt God. God. But I want you to know a fact about who God is and how God works. Sin will be punished. Listen to this. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall they also reap. That's what it means to live in the fear of God, to rule and lead in the fear of God. We should live understanding that if I sin against God, I will reap what I sow. And David could give you a long testimony of what it was like to let Sin and wickedness and lust and trouble and yearning and desire outside of God's rule and law, what it cost him. I'll tell you what it cost him. David, as he pens this last psalm, led by the Spirit of God, speaks this last psalm, I should say more accurately, as he speaks this last psalm, as a man probably 70, 75 years old, something like that, I don't know if he's seated in a chair, laying in a bed, But his heart's full and overwhelmed. He's thinking about his decisions in the past. And let me tell you, as he pins through this, he's pinning through the tears that must be falling from his face because of his sin in the past. He's writing a psalm with experience in the rearview mirror. And Absalom is dead. And others, Amnon is dead. And his daughter has been raped. and Blood has been shed in his family. At every twist and turn since the time that he made such a foolish decision. And he says, I want you to understand something. God has spoken to my heart. A man that rules, he must rule justly. Justify your decisions and your actions according to God's word. And he must rule in the fear of God. Because God, when he says, if you do that, the blood will not leave your home. God means it and he'll keep his word. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He says, but, but, if you choose me, even after fall, if you'll choose me even And you'll justify your decisions and you'll fear God and rule and lead this way. He says, but there's a brightness. Verse 4, he says, the person who leads, rules over men justly, 
rules in the fear of God, the Bible says in verse number 4, he shall be as the light of the morning. I don't know exactly what David's describing here, but David recently has experienced a glorious morning. You may not be a morning person, but how many of you ever experienced a glorious morning? You've stepped outside and you're like, man, it is so good out here. It's nice. And David said, there's a sweetness about obeying God. He said, the best I know how to describe it is like this. He shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds. As the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after the rain. He says, the sun's shining, there's not a cloud in the sky. The grass is the brightest green I've ever seen. It's gorgeous, beautiful, sweet. And he says, God's promised and God's made it clear that when we lead in the affairs of our lives in a godly way, there's a certain sweetness. There's a certain sweetness that only God can provide. Number one, God's work in David's life. Number two, God's word about godly leadership. Number three, God's graceful salvation. God's graceful salvation. I want you to think about this with me for just a minute. Now, David had failed along the way, and David has something to say. He says, he says a man that rules righteously... Man, he's like this bright, sunshiny, beautiful day without a cloud in the sky and the grass is the greenest it's ever been. But look what he says in verse number five. Although my house be not so with God. He says, I've got to acknowledge something. My story is not exactly like that. My story is not exactly like that. Although my house be not so with God, yet, look at that next word, yet, verse 5, he, God, hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. Now, David says, now listen, son, folks, I failed along the way. But he says, now as a 70-year-old man, I'm rejoicing and thanking God for his forgiveness. And the fact that I messed up in the past, God has offered me forgiveness for today. And there's a certain sweetness and God is blessed. And he's given me an everlasting covenant. And I'm saved by grace through faith. And I have hope. And the, the blood and the punishment of my sin, it's happened and it's fallen. There's been difficulties. But God has extended his mercy and his grace. And he continues to do so. Oh, I'm so thankful that when I fail and falter and fall, that God in love keeps his covenant with me. Hallelujah. How many of you ever messed up? <laughs> me too. You know something sweet? God has kept his covenant promise with you. He's promised I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's promised if you believe on me, I will give you everlasting life. He's promised to help you through the trials of life. God's graceful salvation. He's given me an everlasting covenant. Ordered in all things and sure. I love that word sure, don't you? I'm sure that I know Jesus by faith as my Savior. I'm sure that his grace is greater than my sin. I'm sure that I'm secure in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, turn your heart to Jesus. You say, I failed miserably. Join the crowd. Turn your heart to Jesus and be reminded again of his faithfulness. 
for life and eternity. Humble yourself. You see, God gave grace to David. And David acknowledged it and he praises God for it. What was it that caused David to have God's grace after a fall? I'll tell you what it was. He was willing to humble himself and be corrected, instructed, directed by God and God's people. I'll never forget the moment in David's life when God sent the prophet Samuel to reprimand him. Can you imagine being the man that God assigned to reprimand King David? (laughs) That was Samuel the prophet. Samuel comes to David, and David has already committed adultery with Bathsheba. David has already plotted and schemed to try to cover his sin and cover his tracks and had Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, murdered. Samuel the prophet comes to David and tells David a story. David's a man with a big heart. He tells David a story. He says, David, there was a man in your kingdom. A great, powerful ruler, leader. And he had guests that came. But he didn't want to slaughter his own lamb in order to feed his guests. So there was a poor man that, I'm adding this, that lived in one of his rental houses. (laughs) And the poor man had one lamb. And, man, they loved that lamb like it was their very own child. And the rich man, because he didn't want to slaughter out of his own herd and flock, He took the poor man's lamb, killed it, dressed it, and fed it to his friends. David hears the story and immediately is filled with rage. He said, you show me who that man is and I'll punish him to the extent of my power. Samuel looks at David. David looks at Samuel and Samuel says, David, thou... Art the man. You are that man. You are that man. And God has called on you to repent. You know what David did? Praise the Lord. David didn't harden himself against the reprimand of God and God's man. David didn't make his heart cold again. David didn't turn off the conviction of the Holy Spirit. David confessed his sins and repented. And he writes in the psalm, Psalm 51, and gives his testimony. And he says, oh, Lord, wash me that I can be white as snow. Wash me and clean me. Give me another chance. Help me. David turned to the Lord. He stopped in his rebellion. He quit lying. He quit cheating. He quit stealing. He quit justifying his actions sinfully. He humbled himself before the Lord. And you know what God did? God restored to him the joy of his salvation. You know what God did? God gave him many more fruitful years to follow. You know what God did? God forgave him. You know what God did? God blessed him. It wasn't too late. David surrendered. And David tells us of God's great and graceful and gracious salvation to a person who will just simply bow before him and humble themselves and repent and admit that what they've done is wrong. But David says not all men 
have surrendered to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it gives us a picture, finally, number four, of God's punishment for disobedience. Look what the Bible says in verse number six. The Bible says in verse number six, but he's just finished talking about God's gracious salvation to him, a man that had fallen and repented. He says, but the sons of Belial, the sons of Belial are people who will not heed instruction. The sons of Belial are people who live continuing in sin. The sons, he says, but the sons of the Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. How many of you understand what it means to be a thorn thrust away? You know, if a thorn is a plant that you can't manage, a thorn is a plant that you don't, uh, you can't, train the thorns he said you can't handle them with your hands the thorn it doesn't it's not moldable it's not something that can be trained or trained easily he says the thorns they're like thorns thrust away cast to the side not used because they cannot be taken with hands the bible gives this picture of a plant a plant that can be taken with hands how many of you ever trained a tomato plant have you ever trained a vine you, you take that plan and you take and you use your hands and you correct it and you move it and you direct it and you mold it into what it needs to be. And you, what God wants to do in all of our lives is he wants us when we mess up and we all do, he wants us to let God rebuke us by his word. Let a godly influencer and a godly counselor help us and instruct us and love us through the difficulties in our lives and touch us and mold us and move us and make us. The Holy Spirit of God trains us into what we ought to be. We get out of line and God by his, in love trains us. And we've got to be the kind of people who are willing to not be so prickly and sin cursed with thorns that will not be trained and taught. He says the sons of Belial are like thorns cast away because... They can't be touched by man's hands. So what do you do? How do you deal with that unruly, rebellious person? The Bible says in verse number 7, But the man that shall touch them, says God's not just going to leave them alone. There will be a man that shall touch them. The man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron. The Bible says that person is going to be dealt with, but they're not going to be dealt with tender correction. They're going to be dealt with strong iron, fenced with iron, and the staff of a spear driven to their punishment. The Bible says, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. The Bible says there's punishment for the person that will not bow to the authority and leadership of God. The man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. God's punishment for disobedience. Folks, sin will be punished. You know what David's doing? He's looking back on his life and he's giving us some instruction. He says, folks, God's good. God has brought me from shepherd to a king and anointed me to do his work. 
said along the way, I've messed up. To God be the glory. With the Lord's help and His grace, I've been corrected and molded. As an old man, I look back and I just praise Him. I was willing to surrender and submit myself to His will, His purpose, and His plan for my life. I'm so thankful. And David says, as God's led me to write one last psalm, here it is. Surrender your life to the Lord. Use your life for the glory of God. When you mess up, repent and be broken and humble yourself and let God bless you again. Because the alternative is terrible. The alternative is wrath, fire, judgment, destruction, and punishment. You know why God gives us his law and his word, his principles? Because he wants to protect us from the royal mess that we'll make out of our own lives when we do things the way we want it done. That message is a message straight to the preacher on a night like tonight. And a reminder again, we must live humbly before our Savior and our God and allow Him to rule and work and lead in our lives. He can use us for His glory, for His glory. Oh, surrender yourself to the Lord. Learn something from the last Psalm of David. Let's pray.